Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Good morning and welcome to the Yoga Hour, a time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo sitting in for Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien while she's away. And today we'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. Yoga is a Sanskrit word that is familiar to almost everybody today, but many people, when they hear the word yoga, just think of it in kind of a narrow way. Think of it as an exercise, you know, regimen. Think of it as uh, people in leotards <laughs> in uh, uh, bendy poses. And in fact, uh, yoga, the word yoga means oneness, union, or unity. The bringing together of our attention and awareness with our essential spiritual nature to be restored to our original wholeness. So today we are so fortunate because our topic, Freedom from Fear, using yoga meditation to heal trauma, uh, we have the perfect guest to discuss that with. What we're going to be talking about is how yoga can help us to heal from trauma and free ourselves from fear. Uh, we're going to be discussing <clears throat> excuse me, integrative restoration, or iRest, a form of yoga nidra meditation that has been proven effective in helping people overcome post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, reduce anxiety, insomnia, and depression, and maintain a lasting emotional and mental balance. So we are joined today by Richard Miller, PhD, the author of the iRest program for healing PTSD. Richard is a clinical psychologist, researcher, scholar, and meditation teacher. For over 40 years, he has devoted his life and work to integrating the teachings of yoga, tantra, advaita, Taoism, and Buddhism with Western psychology. He is founding president of the Integrative Restoration Institute and co-founder of the International Association of Yoga Therapists, or IAYT. You can find out more about Richard's work and teaching schedule at the website irest.us. So welcome, Richard Miller. I am so delighted that you could join me today on the Yoga Hour. Thank you, Laurel. Nice to be here with you, and I look forward to our conversation so before we begin that conversation about using yoga to heal from ta- trauma, let's start with a moment of meditation, a yoga moment. Om. Let's begin by turning our attention within and using a tool that's always with us, our breath. 
So let's take a fully conscious breath, just noticing as we inhale and exhale. Imagining as we inhale that we can dive within. And as we exhale, relax. Let's just notice our breathing, not try and change it, but just notice as we inhale and exhale. Cool air entering the nostrils and warm air flowing out. And as we dive within with each inhale, We can feel the essence at the core of our being. This essence, this one reality called by many names, is the support and substance of all that is. Right where we are, right here and right now. This essence is present. And it's the same essence that's within us, between us, and all around us. Just by being present now and noticing, we can rest in this essence of our being. We notice thoughts and feelings as they arise and as they pass away. We become aware of our essential nature beyond words, beyond thoughts, beyond all change. Pure existence being. We feel the peace that emanates from the essence of our being and allow it to pervade the mental field, the emotional nature, and the physical body. We abide in this peace and let it overflow as blessing for all beings everywhere. Once again, Richard Miller, welcome to the Yoga Hour. Thank you. It was a lovely way to start. It's a lovely entryway to what we'll be speaking about today. Thank you. Oh, yes, you're welcome. I I always enjoy that part. <laughs> Just a moment to get us grounded and really in the present as we uh, as we begin, and and for our listeners to really do the same. So I've really enjoyed reading your book, The IREST Program for Healing PTSD, and I love how you've taken yogic principles, these ancient yogic principles and teachings, and made them so accessible to all. So you mention in the book that you've been studying yoga since 1970. So how did you begin applying the yoga that you were studying personally? How did you begin applying that to help people who were experiencing trauma? Well, back in 1970, when I was first uh, introduced to yoga, I actually came to it with my own years of depression, which within a few months of starting to practice yoga in 1970, and as you were emphasizing in the beginning of the program, um, my entryway was through the meditative aspects of yoga. My depression cleared away. Subsequently, I was studying to become a psychotherapist, and uh, 
woman who was my mentor actually was from the Far East. So we started integrating um, aspects of meditation right into the psychotherapy from a Western tradition that I was learning. So I was looking at different contemplative traditions and how they might um, be dovetailed into psychotherapy. So right from the beginning, 1970, I was integrating both psychology and we might say these spiritual aspects of meditation into my practice. And a lot of the people who were coming to me were suffering from trauma. So I began to look at how could I utilize both the Western principles from Western psychology and the Eastern principles from meditation into helping a person heal through their trauma. Mm. And I know it's just, you know, grown and grown uh, since then and that, you know, there have been many research studies that you've been a part of, many of those, you know, involving them, you know, coming from within the military. I know it was, I think, Walter Reed, you know, was the um, one that you mentioned in the book. It was around, uh, was that in 2000? Uh, is that right? Uh, in 2004, the military approached me for the meditation protocol that I had developed over the years and asked if I'd study it with uh, returning uh, soldiers from the war front who had post-traumatic stress. And that first study done in 2004 was so successful, they actually hired my teacher that I had trained to run the study right on the spot. And anybody mm. through their deployment health clinical center got access to uh, my meditation protocol as part of their healing uh, program. That is just so wonderful. So now that we're on this topic of post-traumatic stress disorder, um, so what exactly is that for our listeners who may not know? And then what types of trauma are associated with it? Post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress disorder uh, is basically when the body and the mind are overwhelmed by incoming information, which could have been from an accident could have been from you know an act of war, but it also could be from a major illness or from encountering an overwhelming amount of stress day in, day out in one's life. So mm. post-traumatic stress can come about from many ways, but basically it amounts to a person becomes hypervigilant. They're scanning all the time for danger. Their nervous system is hypersensitive to sounds, there's a tendency to constantly be reviewing or remembering or feeling the stress that uh, gave rise to the to the trauma, which also could have come from a childhood issue, um, could be psychological abuse, physical abuse, or sexual abuse. So it can come in many different ways, but it becomes socially uh, an inhibition or debilitating experience where people tend to withdraw and feel disconnected from themselves and from the world around them. And it has a continuum from, say, slight to very advanced cases of post-traumatic stress. Mm. Exactly. And, and that continuum that you're just talking about that, you know, I, I was, was just what I was going to mention is obviously, you know, some of our listeners may have PTSD, but many don't, but still everybody has trauma in their life of, of one sort or another. And so these principles are useful for anyone, you know, who's trying to deal with trauma, even you know, whether you're not quite on the PTSD spectrum or if you have mild or, you know, or advanced uh, uh, PTSD. In these days, our phone is ringing constantly. We're being bombarded by constant messaging. And so the body tends to be overstressed. And that leads to a, a kind of a mild post-traumatic stress syndrome in many, many people who don't otherwise understand that they have it just because of the ongoing stress people are feeling in their daily lives. Right. So this integrative restoration or IREST, so can you say more about what is it and where did it come from? Yeah, it actually is comes from an ancient form of meditation, uh, thousands of years old. It incorporates many different aspects of all the different contemplative traditions we see around the world from yoga to even Christian Judeo or Buddhist perspectives. And the formal name is actually Yoga Nidra. Yoga, as you were talking about, is our, our sense of 
connectedness with the entire universe where we feel both an interconnection within ourselves but also to everything around us. We don't feel separate. We feel a sense of this oneness you mentioned in the meditation. And nidra, an interesting Sanskrit word, actually means sleep, but it means actually a changing state of consciousness. So it means... Mm to feel this interconnectedness with ourself and the world around us, no matter the state of mind or body we might be experiencing. So we could have a major illness, or we could be upset, or we could be experiencing uh, tremendous sadness or grief or joy, but we'd still feel this unbroken sense of wholeness and connectedness to ourself and the world around us. When I went to the military, they asked if we would drop the name Yoga Nidra. They actually said, we're military, we don't do yoga. And so I renamed it Integrative. <laughs> yeah, I know, it's funny. So I renamed it Integrative Restoration, Integrative because it integrates our sense of psychology and helps us feel like we're a fully functioning human being. And then restoration as it restores this sense of wholeness and oneness. And back in 2004, everything was iPhone and iPad, so I named it iRest, a small little I, because it kind of <laughs> settles the ego down to its proper size and rests a sense mm-hmm. of restoration to our to our natural functioning, where we should be as a human being. And mm. funny that uh, several years after we did the study at Walter Reed, they came back to us and they said, you know, we really like what you're doing. You can call it anything you want. So we actually <laughs> call it Integrative Restoration High Rest Yoga Nidra Meditation. That way, because we're coming into homeless shelters around the world, we're, we're working with uh, survivors of human trafficking, children. We often call it just Integrative Restoration or High Rest because it's, it's a more secular uh, name and, and we've created it as a secular form of uh, uh, meditation, so anybody can use it, and it enhances whatever their philosophical or religious background is. Absolutely, I think that's one of the real strengths of you know what you're doing to make this so accessible to everyone. Um, and whenever there's a label that is a stumbling block or a barrier, you know, I think it's great to you know be open about. Um, certainly, you're not hiding where it came from, but on the other hand, it doesn't need to be, you know, necessarily, you know, front and center for people who may respond to yoga as though it, it were a religion. And Paramahansa Yogananda, who is the um, person who brought um, many of the yoga teachings to the United, United States in uh, 1920, uh, was very clear when he came that he was not bringing a religion. He was bringing yoga as more of a, a a practice that could accompany any religion. So it's really a, a wide open door. So in your book, you discuss several core principles of IRS, and the one that I was most struck with was uh, understand the law of awareness. So what's the law of awareness, and why is it important in healing? Um, if if we look at all the movements of our body, our senses, our mind, and our emotions in the world around us, all of our perceptions, seeing, hearing, uh, the sights we see around us, we realize that everything is in our awareness. But mostly people are focusing on the object that is in their awareness and not on awareness. Part of the protocol mm-hmm. meditation is to change the focus to awareness itself and what we begin to discover is all the different aspects that are arising in awareness whether it's an emotion or a thought or or a perception they're constantly changing and oftentimes we're freezing or we're grasping uh, something that's arising in our awareness and we're either trying to hold on to it or we're trying to push it out. So if we have grief or sadness, we might be trying to push it out. And if we're feeling good, we're trying to hold on to it. But both good and uh, we might say things that don't feel so good, they're constantly changing. And the law of awareness simply says the ability to be with things as they are and allow them that evolution of change, they'll, they'll slowly move into their next phase 
And if we feel ourselves as the awareness, which feels as an unchanging aspect, whatever we place in awareness will ultimately dissolve and change into the next thing. But we can remain here as this quality of unchanging awareness. So law of awareness does several things. It gives us a sense of stability and ground and a deep inner resource, and it helps us navigate what we might call these changing phenomena of our body, senses, mind, emotions. Yes, I I love the way that you uh, said it in the book, which um, which I think was I'm paraphrasing, but it was something like knowing that awareness is always bigger than whatever is within awareness. That awareness can contain whatever is in awareness, and I just thought there was something about that realization of of knowing that our awareness is larger than whatever we might be thinking or feeling in a different given moment is actually very powerful. I would think yeah, you know, for a, for the for uh, the healing process. Yeah, there's a lovely metaphor. If we think of an emotion, we can get so lost in it; it feels like immense, and our whole world is filled with the emotion we're feeling, like anger or sadness. But awareness is like a vast ocean, and the emotion then feels like more a teaspoon that we're dumping into the ocean. Awareness is so vast. It can contain everything and put the emotion into its proper size, so we're more able to deal yes. with it than feeling overwhelmed by it. Yeah, yeah, and I that's really powerful. So another of the core IRIS principles is learn to be welcoming. So how does learning to be welcoming help us to respond to something rather than just being triggered into a reaction? I feel welcoming is actually an aspect of our essential nature. Awareness doesn't um, keep anything out or try to hold on to anything. It's like walking into a room. If, if we liken awareness to the space within a room, when we walk into the room, the space isn't trying to keep us out or hold on to us when we leave. Welcoming is this aspect where we're learning how to be with things just as they are. So if there's a moment of sadness or grief or irritation, we're learning how to feel it as a body sensation, and we're learning how to respond to it. Even we might be having a reaction to what we're feeling. We're learning how to welcome that too. Buddha had a beautiful statement. He said, it's not the first arrow that causes the suffering. It's the second, third, and fourth. So if we're upset or we're experiencing some kind of sorrow or sadness, that's actually not the problem. It's our reaction to it and then our reaction mm-hmm. to our reaction to it. So we're learning how to welcome and be with things just as they are. And I'm convinced through all the thousands and thousands of people I've worked with and myself, including, we always have within us the perfect response to each moment in each situation we're facing. If we could learn how to step back, get perspective, we'd be able to feel both the emotion we're feeling or the thought we're having and uh, this inbuilt, we might say, perfect response to it that helps us navigate. So welcoming is actually, along with awareness, the the two core aspects or principles of the program I teach. Mm. This... uh, um this uh, process of, of welcoming, again, I think is, is uh, so powerful because, as you mentioned, we're talking about trauma, and we're talking about trauma that has been in PTSD that has been so overwhelming to our senses that we haven't been able to deal with it. And I think that there's a human tendency then to sort of try and push that away. And, you know, we've been overwhelmed, and so um, we're thinking that we can be successful at keeping it at bay. Uh, and unfortunately, that's just not how emotions work. I mean, they, you know, they need to be felt and processed. So this idea of, again, welcoming, that's what gives it its power, is not recognizing, first of all, that it doesn't work to try and push it away, but then have another tool that you can use to, or a whole set of tools that you can use to be welcoming to these things that are unpleasant that you've been trying to avoid, but then you need to be able to process. Well, it's true, and and the program 
which I've developed, I call it a tool set or a toolbox, so we're offering the tools uh, to help a person learn how to navigate the situation that they're facing. And the tool of awareness, when it's properly understood, really gives us the ground from which then to face what can otherwise feel very overwhelming things we want to get away from. But if we can teach an inner resource of well-being to begin with, as one of our veterans said, now that I know this inner resource, I'm willing now to face my worst nightmares, whereas before I was just being overwhelmed by my nightmare, but now I have the resources with which to navigate it and heal from it. And that's a great segue into the end of this segment and the beginning of the next one where we're going to be talking much more about those tools. You're listening to The Yoga Hour with our guest, Richard Miller, author, clinical psychologist, researcher, scholar, and meditation teacher. His website is irest.us. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us at yogahour at unity.fm. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. When we come back from the break, we'll, we'll be exploring some of those tools using iRest meditation to heal from trauma. We'll be right back. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly? Listen to Funniest Thing with Daryl and Ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things. Join the discussion with Daryl and Ed live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Central Time on Funniest Thing, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour.
Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for the Yoga Hour's regular host, Yogacharya O'Brien. And I'm joined today by Richard Miller, PhD, author of the iRest Program for Healing PTSD. And you can find out more about his book at the website iRest.us. So, Richard, as you know, one of the core principles of yoga is that there is only one, one supreme consciousness that manifests as all that is, and that we are each part of that wholeness. So, Yogacharya O'Brien has a pithy way of capturing this in four uh, little sayings. It is, we are it, we forget, we remember which is kind of the essence of, uh, you know, several of the things that you present in the book. Um, one of the things that I, I most appreciated when I was reading about the IREST approach is that it begins by viewing us as healing in wholeness. And I just love that, healing in wholeness which is based in the same realization that there's part of us that is already whole and which remains whole despite anything that happens to us, which is drawing on that oneness that I was just mentioning. I also refer to this in the closing that I use for all of the Yoga Hour episodes that I host, which is remember that you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. So, Kelly, let's talk a little bit more about this healing and in wholeness. How does this approach of heaviness recognize that, how is that helpful in recovering from trauma? Well, many, many people who come with trauma or just stress in general or from some life uh, circumstance, they often feel disconnected somehow from themselves and potentially from the world around. So there's this sense of uh, disconnection and alienation or isolation. And there can be the feeling that something is wrong and that it needs to be healed. And what I like to tell people is there's something about ourselves that can't be injured, can't be harmed, doesn't need to be healed. And so we want to begin from this sense of wholeness. So I I had a woman come to me some years ago with a very severe depression, and in the first session, I helped her understand and feel this sense of wholeness. And what she said is it gave her a a sense of hope that there was an ability to heal, which eventually did happen through her um, depression. So I like to think we're healing in and from wholeness, not to get whole, but we're whole right from the very beginning. And as one, again, this veteran said, now that I know this sense of wholeness about myself, now I'm willing to feel into what isn't a whole or what does feel broken. And it's a very right. vital aspect of the program uh, and why I think it's so effective in healing people because right from the beginning they can feel this that doesn't need to be healed, that never got broken. Right. I think that is just uh, so key that because I, that's part of this process of trauma and our in PTSD, the person's inability to get get over it. I think there is an internalization of that, you know, that I'm so broken and there is a, a fear that I will never be right. I will be nev- never be healed again. So to well, begin... This sense within us, when something goes awry in our life, the I thought, the sense of ego comes in and says there's something wrong, but then it patches the secondary thought to it. There's something wrong with me. Right. So I agree there might be something wrong, but not wrong with me. And so I want to make that separation between who I am as this sense of wholeness and this that does need healing, that may be broken. And so... We're healing from this sense of wholeness, not to become whole, but to fix or work with what does feel a necessity for attending to. Which, again, I think is just so powerful, that feeling of hope, which in I think for many people is such a... Um, 
there, there's a lack of that. There's been a hopelessness that's part of, you know, their inability to process the, the experiences that they've had. So this idea of it's already there, you know, there is something that you can feel that is whole within us, the most essential part of us being that wholeness. Um, so in the book, you make a connection with, with this, what we've been talking about, this experience of wholeness. And experiencing the feeling of being. So in order to give our listeners a sense of what an iris meditation is like, would you lead a brief meditation from the book? And in particular, I like the one that allows people to experience themselves as being. Yeah, let me start with that because that really is the ground from which the whole program moves out of. So, If our listeners, if you could take a moment with your eyes open or eyes closed and just let your senses open to the sounds and the environment around yourself, resting back in any comfortable position for a moment. And with your senses open, letting go of what you've been doing in the last few minutes, We're not ready to go on to a next thing. We're just in this moment of simply resting back and being. We're not trying to accomplish anything. We're just a sense of ease of being, much like a summer's day. You've sat down in an easy chair, and you're just relaxing for a moment. And there are several inquiries here around being. When you're simply being, Notice how the thinking mind begins to quiet down and there's a dropping more, what we might say, into the heart or down into the belly, away from the thinking mind that's up around the eyes. So just notice that as you're simply being, kind of a dropping down and feeling from your heart and how being has both a localized feeling to it, a felt sense, we might say, in your body, that can bring foreground a sense of well-being when we spend time simply being. But also, with your, especially when your eyes are closed, feel how being is more like a field that emanates out all around you. So you have both a heartfelt, localized feeling of being and a more field-like quality or a spaciousness around and about being. And how the thinking mind begins to quiet down. And in a manner of speaking, we step out of time as the thinking mind quiets down. And we're just in this present moment of being. And if you feel into being how it's a familiar feeling, we've we've known it since we were little children or babies, but it might have gone into the background. So in this moment, we're nourishing it into the foreground of our experience, into our body, thinking mind quiet, more heartfelt, And notice how being doesn't lack or need for anything. Our body has a need for clothing, shelter, food, safety, but how being doesn't need or lack for anything. So as you're feeling the sense of being, feel something about you that feels perfect just as it is. And how as you're learning to be, it reconnects you to yourself. And also how you could be when you're sitting quietly like you are now. Or you could also be when you're talking or eating or walking, possibly even as you're working. So being doesn't need special circumstance. It's always here and it has this quality of freshness about it. Every time we come to the sense of being, it's always familiar, but in a way it feels brand new and fresh in every moment. And it brings with us a sense of wholeness, something about us that can't be hurt or harmed or injured no matter our circumstance. 
So we're beginning to learn how to rest in this, we might call this wholeness of being that has never been hurt, can't be harmed, doesn't need healing. And it becomes a deep inner resource now with which we can move and meet any circumstance, any emotion, any thought, any stress that we're learning or needing to navigate or heal through. So that's a a very quick way of beginning to feel being, and I have longer meditations about it from the book and on my website, but just keep feeling the sense of being as we continue our discussion here between Laurel and myself. So we'll keep refreshing and nourishing being even as we're listening to the continuing conversation. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Richard. That was really, really lovely. And I would uh, encourage uh, people to check out your website and to uh, get the book. I, I like the suggestion you have in the book. You do give scripts for all many different meditations, including the one that you just did or something very similar, and encourage people to record it in their own voice or perhaps the voice uh, have a, a dear friend. Um, you know, the voice of the dear friend um, is something that they could listen to. So it's not necessarily that they have to, um, you know, buy anything, although I, I do know that your voice is available with the meditations that you can uh, purchase on the website. So, and again, that's irest.us. So, Richard, in your experience of teaching many, many people uh, to meditate um, and to experience being as we just did um it have you run into people who have problems with that people who for example have not had any experience in meditation do they have difficulty experiencing being it's something we all know so when i first encounter an individual work with a group i'll take the first 30 or 40 minutes to just really develop and nourish this sense of being. And so over the years, I've never had anyone who can't feel it within a short period of time. So it's easy to feel because it's native or innate to all of us. We're just bringing it foreground and and refreshing and nourishing it. The difficulty is life circumstances tend to quickly overwhelm it. So it needs constant kind of rewarding. And so partly what I'm helping people do is learn how to bring it foreground and nourish it all day long as this deep inner resource and then offering them other tools how to meet and work with an emotion or a thought or a difficult life circumstance while continuing to access this sense of being as a, as a ground. But I've never had anyone who's not been able to experience it, but some people take a little bit of time to really bring it foreground into their actual embodied everyday experience so um let's turn our attention now and in the book you discuss the importance of cultivating joy as part of the healing process and there's something about that that's just so appealing you know cultivating joy i mean who wouldn't want to sign up for that so uh, what positive effects does regularly experiencing joy have on our health Well, one of the things we want to immediately understand is as we rest and experience being, it brings along with it both a sense of well-being and qualities of joy. And there there are two types of joy. There's a joy that's dependent on the object we might attain, a car, a, a, a new job, a new situation. But there's an unchanging joy that, again, is innate to all of us. We're born with it, but it can become overwhelmed by circumstances. As we learn how to access joy, and and both a joy that can be dependent on remembering uh, someone who we care for, but also this quality of unchanging joy, when we remember joy, I like to call it J, vitamin J, because (laughs) as 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 an innate vitamin within us, it brings with it a whole host of physiological and psychological effects. People who experience on a regular basis a little bit of joy every day are able to weather better than people who don't difficult circumstances in their life. 
It also helps lower blood pressure. It's been implicated in improving the immune system, so people who have autoimmune diseases, helping them to access joy is really important in their healing process. It's helpful for people with fibromyalgia, and it's been shown to help um, clear out depression. Also, when you're feeling joy, it antidotes pain and other physiological issues that might be going on in the body. So it has tremendous healing properties to it. And that's Mm. why in the ancients, uh, hospitals in ancient Greece were often uh, built next to amphitheaters where they were showing comedies so the patients could actually take part in feeling joy through the theater or through a, a play and learn how to access it as part of their healing. So... I highly recommend anybody who's suffering from trauma to find ways of bringing joy into their life, whether it's through reading a book, watching a movie, cultivating this aspect of being and well-being, just to bring it in and nourish it as much as possible. I think this Mm. is why many people find so much healing in having a pet, a dog, a cat, because as they stroke the animal, it brings foreground a sense of joy and well-being into their body at a at a very chemical uh, basis. We can, we can actually mm-hmm. see the chemicals changing in the blood as people are stroking a dog or stroking a cat or, or experiencing some sense of joy. Mm. So uh, I'm so glad that you mentioned the two types of, <clears throat> of uh, joy. One that is, uh, comes with a, a, a the, any kind of an achievement or, you know, um, like you were saying, a new car or something like that. Um, but also joy that exists independently of whatever else is present because in yoga philosophy, again, as you know, um, our essential nature is described as radiating, as totally, you know, f- filled with that sense of joy and peace. So it's part of our nature and also our birthright. And it is confusing because some people really um, focus on if only I could have, you know, X, whatever that is, that new car, that new job, that new relationship, that's when I'll feel joyful. So it's wonderful to distinguish between those two and to focus on this inner sense as in the meditation that you just did, the being meditation that, that really is there for us always. So, How do you think the search for joy through external objects keeps us from experiencing this inner joy? As human beings, we can see that we're all and always trying to become happy through what we're doing, eating, the relationships we're doing. We're all searching for happiness, but we can quickly see that attaining happiness through an external object quickly changes because we get a new car and then we we forget our sense of happiness after a while. So happiness in that instance of trying to achieve something is really in the search for it, but the moment we attain it, the happiness tends to quickly go away. There's another quality within us, as you're pointing to, that's more akin to our essential nature, and people can confuse it with a kind of a joy that's giddy or, or laughing or something like that, but it has a quality of equanimity to it or a sense of peace, a deep quality of stillness in our body and a sense of well-being. And it's innate to us, but our circumstances can grow so bright like a sun, they can outshine the sense of joy that's in us. And so yes. meditation is really trying to help bring that, that inner joy that's in all of us back into our everyday life And for Mm -hmm. us to really begin to distinguish this unchanging aspect about it versus the changing aspect about it. And so then we're living life both with the changing aspect. We're getting new objects and new friends are coming into our life that make us happy. But we're also feeling this unchanging aspect that that meditation Mm -hmm. really nourishes. Mm -hmm. No, it's really, really a lovely um, delineation there. 
So we titled this episode Freedom from Fear, since this is one of the benefits that has been shown from eye rest and also um, meditation in, in general. The Bhagavad Gita describes yoga by saying that even a little of the practice of yoga protects us from fear. So what are some of the ways that you think eye rest helps to free us from fear? You know, there's a wonderful quip. Everything arises with its opposite. So we know uh, happiness because we know unhappiness. We know pleasure because we know pain. So the quip is the opposite of fear is actually love, but love has no opposite. Herein lies the peace of God. When we really nourish the sense of well-being and wholeness in our body, it brings into our life a deep sense of joy, equanimity, and actually self-love. And love antidotes fear. As we really learn how to feel a sense of well-being and love in our life, self-acceptance, these qualities of awareness and welcoming that we talked about, they help basically antidote fear and they help uh, develop a sense of courage or ability to navigate fear. And we also want to look at fear is really actually just a messenger. It's showing up in, in our life to help us find a response to the situation that's giving rise to the fear. So we're actually in meditation and in my program, we're not trying to get rid of fear. We're actually welcoming it in as a messenger trying to see what's the message it's trying to deliver to us because when we answer the message, the fear will basically say, thank you very much for listening to me, and it will disappear. Mm. And it will be replaced with our response that we need to take, a sense of well-being, and ultimately it will bring foreground this sense of love, which this wonderful quip, the opposite of, love, of fear is love, but love has no opposite. It, it's willing to hold everything within its arms in a full embrace. And so mm. love, we might say, is the ultimate cure for whatever ails us. And many people who have been experiencing trauma have lost touch with a sense of self-love. And so part of our program is helping people re regain that sense of trust in themselves, love of themselves, welcoming themselves, and then learning how to turn that out into the world. Really, um, just you had so much packed in there. It's uh, um, obviously you've been doing this a long time, and it and it uh, it really shows. It's just beautiful to think about that um, healing and wholeness, the the love that you mentioned that is so essential. Um, I can see why the program is as effective as it is. So, um, we only have about a minute left, um, but I, I wanted to, um, have you give a sense of the scope of this program at the moment. So can you just give, I know it's, it's running within many VA hospitals. It's happening at, at Walter Reed still, I believe, as you were mentioning, you know, homeless clinics. Um, can you, Expound on that a little. Yeah, the, uh, the program now is in over 85 VAs. We're actually training VA uh, healthcare workers in the IRS program, so they're bringing it into new VAs all over the world. We just gave a training in, in, in Germany to a VA. We're bringing it into Los Angeles, all across uh, the United States. It's coming into Canada, England, Australia, Germany, and I'll be coming into China and Japan in the next year. So I've trained about 3,000 teachers worldwide. I've got 15 trainers who are actually training people in the methodology as well as the teachers who are out there having learned it, bringing it into different places, clinics, um, you know, meditation centers, uh, recreation centers, but also into hospitals and we're, we're bringing it into India and Nepal, helping with uh, human uh, survivors of human trafficking, uh, helping them heal through their trauma. We're, we've got programs for children as young as three all the way to end of life, teaching it to people in hospitals. Wow. So wow. I just... Spectrum. 
yeah, I just get this feeling of this light, you know, being passed uh, in all of these places. It's it's really it's really wonderful. Well, I, I like that so, metaphor because I like to say for each person we teach it to, they become the light to pass it on mm-hmm. to the others around them. Yeah, yeah. Well, unbelievably, we've come to the end of the program. You've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, sitting in for Yogacharya O'Brien. We've been discussing freedom from fear, using yoga meditation to heal trauma with our special guest, Richard Miller, author of the book we've been discussing today, The IREST Program for Healing PTSD. Richard is a clinical psychologist, researcher, scholar, and meditation teacher, and you can find out more about his book and his teaching schedule at the website irest.us. So, Richard, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Laurel. Nice to be here with you and everybody. So join us next week for an encore program from May 9th, 2013. Rick Hansen, PhD, neuropsychologist and author of Buddha's Brain, joined Yogacharya O'Brien for an uplifting and inspiring look at how the small steps we can take with daily practice can change the brain, reduce stress, and bring greater resilience and happiness. The Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation teacher in the Kriya Yoga tradition. You can find out more at our website, csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour podcast at iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, regular host, founder and director of the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien, assistant producers Ann Hayes and Sean Smith, and always Jeff Comfort in the sound booth at unity.fm. I look forward to being with you again while Yogacharya O'Brien is away. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all that you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. is full of voices, advertising, television, politics, colleagues, family, and friends. All are too happy to tell us how to live. In all of that noise, it's easy to miss the one voice that matters, your own soul. What would happen if you could hear that voice? Imagine the clarity, confidence, and courage that would be yours and the life you could create. Join Janet Connor, best-selling author of Writing Down Your Soul, the Lotus and the Lily, and Your Soul Wants Five Things, as she and her guests explore how to hear the call of the soul and create the soul-directed life. Live Thursday at 1 p.m. Central, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Go inside to find my God. Peace in the presence of conflict. Love in the presence of hatred. Forgiveness in the presence of injury. These words are easy to say. It's challenging, though, to live them in everyday life. After all, I can make my words and actions peaceful, but I have no control over the words and actions of others. That's true, but think about it. If you, then I, then others, one by one, responded in love in every situation... 
the effect would be like the wave you see spread across a sports stadium. It would go on and on, gaining momentum as it moved through the people around us. I can let peace begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.